0: You're listening to Curated Consciously, a podcast that empowers our BIPOC and ally community to come together and dive into the work that needs to be done so we can cultivate vibrant healing environments from the inside out. I'm your host, Jasmine Rain, curator-in-chief and social entrepreneur coming at you from 9,000 feet in the Himalayas. You can connect with me and our community on Instagram at Curated Consciously and continue the conversation with us after every podcast episode in our Conscious Badass Facebook group. Now roll your shoulders back, get comfy, put the coffee on. It is time to deep dive into some thought-evoking conversation curated consciously.
1: All right, so welcome everyone. This is Yvonne and we're here on this new episode of Curated Consciously. And today we have a really special uh, conversation that is actually a continuation sort of of a previous episode that we had. Um, This time we're going to be tackling some quite controversial topics around language inclusivity and well a little bit of decolonizing what words we've been saying. Um, So I'm super happy to introduce our guest for the day. Uh, Our guest is Maria Paz Amado, an excellent friend of mine and uh, former teacher back in college. Um, Maria Pasamaro is a doctor in art history. Uh, she teaches and writes. She's got a published novel and an essay book. She's about to finish her second novel. Uh, she actually did a postdoctoral stay in which she had the opportunity to reflect on issues of ethnicity and identity within this global world from the lenses of the phenomena such as contemporary art and gastronomy. So without further ado, uh, welcome, Maria. How are you?
2: Thank you so much, Yvonne. Thank you, Jasmine. I'm a listener uh, of Curated Consciously. I really love your podcast. I remember the last one uh, when you shared your experience in the snow, and it was very inspiring. So thank you for those anecdotes. Uh, Yeah, it really inspired me. Thank you so much for inviting me
3: absolutely i'm so glad that our content has been resonating with you and um we're so honored to have you here because this is a conversation we have been we've honestly been navigating this topic a lot on our own um and trying to identify how do we approach this and cons and it being a constant struggle um so I think to really kick us off, you know, I'd like, so based on you listening to the episode where Yvonne and I were talking about inner child work, you know, what was it that did and didn't resonate for you after
2: listening? Okay. So uh, I follow Yvonne, I, I guess that it was through Instagram that we get in touch again. So... I was uh, hearing this podcast uh, where Yvonne was going to be interviewed by you, I guess. And what really surprised me was that uh, in maybe from the very beginning or in the minutes or so, uh, Yvonne was introduced as a woman of color, you know, so... Uh, after that, I uh, had the opportunity to uh, chat with uh, Yvonne, even in, in the lockdown in my, at my home. And we were resonating with all these uh, very interesting moments in which we categorize everything we are able to know, you know. And what um, surprises me most was that if you are here in Mexico, Jasmine, I guess that Yvonne here in Mexico would uh, be like uh, what we call guero. And we have this kind of a phrase, guero es el que paga. Guero is the, the, the one who pays. Because we live immersed in a society that is full of racism racism, and classism. But it's very interesting because I heard a lot, I mean, a lot of uh, friends or people that I know when they moved to uh, New York, the States or Canada as well. Um, I, I have a, an anecdote, Valeria Luiselli, who is a very renowned writer Uh, She has um, Italian blood in in her veins. And uh, sometimes she was invited by Mary Claire magazine or something in order to uh, write about her experience as a woman of color in uh, the United States. But guess what? She's uh, the daughter of an ambassador, she has been in a lot of uh, places, uh, living, working, traveling, so she was like, "Come on!" I mean, in in my country where I belong, in in Mexico, I'm not a color person. So, what what drives me? Like, I mean, it's like I I, I think that LGBT polyamor, or how do we say, uh, Yvonne, I really don't know how do you say polyamor in, in, in English, but
1: polyamorous, yeah.
2: polyamorous or uh, all these things uh, that are right now, as Esther Perel says, the new institution. So, I mean, first of all, no, we, we three are women, uh, maybe in some geographic place in this world, uh, somebody could be uh, a, 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 a woman uh, of privilege uh, or maybe a woman of color that uh, has to be maybe in the aduana. How do you
1: say aduana, Yvonne? Migration.
2: In migration office for a long time just because uh, she has a kind of a second name you know or of yes but for the color of her skin so it's very contradictory that uh, here we are uh, fighting for so many rights and and black lives matter and um, feminicides here in mexico and again a new revolution of women in the world but at the same time i think it's very contradictory that we keep uh, insisting on having all these labels for all of us, and that's that was the main thing I I I I, I was resonating that was resonating with me. So I I um, communicate this to Yvonne and Yvonne say, oh yeah, sure. Uh, write Jasmine and tell her, yeah, I think it's, it's a very good uh, <laughs> uh, commentary. So I, I did it.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and thank you for having done yes, that because it was absolutely. actually like super special for us to hear about it, especially doing the work that we that we do or that we are trying to do, which is just like to build these bridges between those who have the privilege to work in social change and, and social justice and the rest of us who are who can't be quite included into it because we are at the same time struggling with you know the clause of oppression in whatever form or shape that that has us so as you were perfectly just saying like in this very circle right now with a Canadian a Mexican and a Chilean is that
2: yeah well Chilean raised in Mexico exactly
1: so I Chilean have happened in Mexico. yeah um, yeah. But in this very circle, it's, it's just like we could be the privileged ones, or if they move this elsewhere, we could not. And that is yeah. something that it's often sort of a, a paradox and a complication, because when you're trying to do social work or even start these conversations, the language, which is the, the, the focus of this interview, isn't quite as inclusive as we think, uh, because while trying to use inclusive language, we end Up perpetuating oppression of gender, of races, of nationalities, et cetera, et cetera, et say. say, say. Uh, so that was actually an excellent comment that you made because we were both just like trying to navigate: all right, do we actually use BIPOC? And something that, and Jess might, might be able to comment on here, something that has been uh, making a lot of noise in my head was the BIPOC aspect because I've never had that before, and it, it means uh black indigenous what is it Just black, black indigenous, indigenous people, people of, color. of
0: color yeah
1: exactly so when i was like a meta under, category exactly. a category into the category mm. exactly yeah. it's a meta category and the yeah. thing is i started doing research on, on where that comes from and i was just like all right this makes sense because it started as a movement uh but also um it sounds like to me as a woman of color, which is now my my label in this um, context of American language or Northern American um, labelism, I'm gonna call it. I started realizing that BIPOC uh, became a shorthand for white people being uncomfortable with just saying black or Latino or tall or short or fat And that is where my main concern, or not concern, my main like discomfort with these terms was. It's like, why do we label it? But also when you don't use it, you're wrong. And then when you came up and you actually like told me these things, Maria, I was just like, Yeah, of course. That's it doesn't quite resonate with me either because it's not our language in Latin America. We don't go by BIPOC, (laughs) we don't go by people Mm -hmm. women of color. We have our own shed. I I acknowledge that we are we also have classes and in colorism and a, and a bunch of things like you were explaining but this language that has become the norm it's actually just the norm in this context of of white societies yeah. but calling someone white isn't quite labeling but anyone that is not white then gets labeled mm-hmm. so it's very very confusing
3: It's almost like we're trying to serve comfort to colonizers so that they have some kind of cushion um, where they don't have to feel like they are in the wrong or they are offending us or that they are you know, using terminology that might, you know, bite them in the ass later, it's kind of like, well, this is a safe, it's like, here's a safe word. Here's a safe term that you can use to acknowledge every single person who doesn't look like you, and you can put them in that box. And it's interesting, like, I've actually, coming from kind of the other side of this, where this has been very much a part of my language, um, you know, I've always been very proud to be like, I am a woman of color. And, and, almost wearing it as a badge, a badge of honor to be like, I have these incredible, rich, diverse experiences and ancestry that's like running through my veins. And I wanna like shout it to the rooftops that this is part of me. And it actually took another conscious pause to be like, but but wait a minute. Why can't that just be honored and acknowledged without me having to outwardly say, hey, like I deserve to be recognized and validated. And, um, you know, in, and it's only been very recently that I've actually taken a step back and been like, oh, wait, hang on, I don't actually wanna be labeled. Um, and, and, and it's interesting because, you know, growing up in Canada, where, you know, I, I remember like, you know, going to the doctor's office or going to the dentist or going to school and <clears> they're <throat> filling out forms and you've got some boxes to tick and you've got like, you know, and we've got like, uh, I think, what, what was the terminology that you, they used to use back then? I think it was like mulatto. Mulatto was like referred to as like biracial, um, you know, there was like a non-white identifying, um, and maybe there was like three boxes back then. It was like white, it was African American. Didn't even say like African Canadian. It didn't say black. Like they, you know, they were using these like very generalized terms that um, didn't even really quite uh, fit uh, for a Black Canadian. You know what I mean? And um, and I and I, I remember, I recall those experiences now. And I remember never actually fitting into any of those boxes, so I feel like we've had to expand as you know over the last 20 years. We've we've seen more terms and we've seen, uh, you know, more uh, more respect and understanding of the diverse experiences across North America. However, it has continued to be labels. It has continued to put us into more boxes. It's just adding more boxes to the spectrum and not actually getting to the root of the issue in the fact that we are being put into boxes because they have nowhere else to put us. Um, and, And there is no, you know, white folk are not willing to, to dive deeper into understanding how to build more inclusive language and but in and instead it seems easier and more comfortable to add those boxes um so that's been something that's been really relevant to my experience and i feel like it actually took honestly it's taken the last couple months and actually you maria reaching out um for us to really dive deeper and be like oh you're right. Like this is something that's been subconsciously in the back of my mind that I haven't navigated. And we really need to do that. And honestly, you've actually been a huge inspiration for us to, to, to sit down and be like, okay, we need to intentionally dive deeper into this. How can we as facilitators, as curators, as content creators, bring awareness and bring light to this conversation in a way that's actually going to make people want to do the work with us and and not just white folk but also people of color um to actually are going to be like oh wait hang on you're right like i don't want to be in these boxes anymore how do we move forward um so that's kind of uh just a a brief sorry that not a brief that was a very lengthy overview of, of kind of the like how i'm feeling in this experience um, what I've been observing and how I'm actually just so grateful for you, um, in helping us move forward in this journey. Um, because I think it's, it's so important to have that critical response uh, and feedback come in to help us check ourselves sometimes because, um, you know, I, I find that a lot of uh, black creators that I follow and black wellness facilitators, they very much own, like they've, they've kind of like, they have, uh, they've reclaimed this, this, you know, the concept of BIPOC and people of color, and they're bringing that into what they create and helping kind of create safe spaces to navigate what that means and what that looks like. But I actually have never seen any of them really critically think about, well, why are, why do we need to call ourselves women of color? It's like when people say like, oh, like you're a girl boss. It's like, I'm just a boss. I'm just am just an entrepreneur. You don't have to say my gender before, you know, my, my, I, like my role, um, you know, and I think, I think there's a lot of similarities between that as well.
2: Yeah. So. Because we as women have been marginalized uh, a lot uh, due to that main reasons, you know, uh, I, to me, it was a very difficult experience uh, being taken seriously, you know, uh, and, and sometimes I need to make some kind of a performer in order to, because, well, right now I have gray hair and it's okay, but 20 years ago, I maybe some, sometimes resemble even younger, so sometimes uh, certain kind of people used to uh, think, oh woman oh and something we in here in Mexico speak like guera no oh so so if she's a woman and if she's a guera I'm I I am going to treat this to, to treat her in, in this way you know because right now when I'm seeing you. Guess what? You here in Mexico, jasmine would be a white people, not a color person. But what I'm trying to uh, uh, say is that uh, here in Mexico, we have a the gendering, a language very, um, very immer- we are very immersed in feminine and masculine but uh, since a uh, very recent time, we uh, have made all these changes. Uh, we don't say uh, human or, or men human, like uh, as we say, uh, I don't know, uh, when we say in plural something, we tend to say in, in, a, in a masculine gender, no? So right now there is no A or no O, no, A for women, O for men. And, and, and we substitute this with E, but, the, but, but that's the new generations, the, the millennial, I guess. And, but to me, it, sometimes it's like, it, we try to do this in order to, I don't know, I mean, maybe African-American, Asian-American starts to be a very good opportunity for scholarships or fundraisings, you know. But right, right now we are in the opposite. We are in, in, in the extreme. And I, what I really moved, uh, what I really concerns me is that this substitution of language, female versus uh, male or whatever, uh, substituting our A or an O or an E, uh, does it really makes the difference? Maybe yes i, I I'm, I'm I'm trying to uh, get into this new kind of place where we need to being involved and connect differently, no um, some uh, uh, long ago, um, a friend of mine used to say, "Oh well, if you go right now to a campus in and, or in, in some state in the United States, you, you say, oh, how, what's your name? And what would you want to treat, be, uh, to treat, yeah, how do you want to be referred? Like he, like she, like they, and I guess it's okay, but at the same time, um, as Judith Butler says, and there is no category imposed by some heteropatriarchal or whatever. Uh, I guess we have the freedom to be ourselves as we want to be. And maybe is the, the, the main reason why L G B T X Y C one, two, three, four, because there's a whole universe. But I would love to um, be in love or fall in love with persons with uh, professionally, uh, educationally, culturally, uh, emotionally, not as a gender issue, not as a color issue, but just as we are finally humans, you know? And yeah, I I guess that here the bridge in Mexico is we are privileged or we are not. We have money or we don't have it. And, and, and it's very, very hard to say, to put in those terms, you know, because after a revolution and after some of the structures within we they were the past, no, they're still be here. And we have a caste regime in the Southeast in, uh, in Mexico. And we have uh, ex-governors or right now governors, the, the, the one who was in, in Chiapas, I really don't know if he's still there, uh, uh, give him a spank in, in, in the face to somebody because in that place it's okay, you know? So I really don't know if we are trying to cover uh, the, the real truth behind that, in all these uh, subtle um, new ways of uh, naming things. I really hope that my daughter and my sons, yeah, uh, could be very open in order to connect with the rest of the people, not for those kind of categories, I would like that.
1: Yeah, I, I 100% agree with what you're saying. And I think I've mentioned it either in our personal conversations, uh, Maria Paz, or maybe in another podcast, I can't remember, but it does remind me of this idea of how using this inclusive language, and I'm quoting, i uh, quoting, it's actually dehumanizing us. Uh, it's actually just like placing us into boxes uh, in order to not look at the actual social problem. Uh, And I read this quote somewhere, I don't even know where, but it said something uh, like, we will never be culture-free, but we can be culture-specific. And that's like going back into into, races and stuff. But the more interconnected we are and the more uh, globalized we are, the more intersections there are are between cultures. Um, So the less specific we can be with language, so again, going back into this, this labels, I believe what happens is just like no, no, no. Let's just like label these things as, as such and such and such, uh, so that we can just like blend them all together as this big lump of colors, and anything that does not look like us then gets to be in that box with different categories, and then uh, we adopt it because we grow up hearing those things, right? So. And as someone who, who has had the privilege or not to, to grow up in different places in the world, I, I sort of adopted this colonized language where I'm like, yeah, you know, you're the brown one or the, you know, Latina or the, I don't know, whatever the, the term is, even with, uh, we pronouns pronounce, yeah. like you were
2: and, and all those things that go with that, you know, because I was, uh, the last week, uh, watching with my uh, daughter, who's 11 years old, modern family. And, you know, this This is the cliche and the stereotype of a Latina woman, which is Sofia Vergara, which is sexy, but at the same time, kind of uh, stupid. Uh, and um, she has a past, like she was uh, married with somebody from a cartel and... All these things that are so—I mean, I, I, I was like, "Come on!" I mean, is this serious? Because modern family, you know, you you have this couple of gays, and you have this couple of uh, no uh, X Y Z. And but I I I, I guess that, that that those are the things that all the corporate mainstream world uh, makes us to think or to believe in those terms. And I'm very curious and afraid of that because my daughter is watching those, okay?
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And it, it definitely programs us into these things. And I um, like having conversations and just becoming aware of the words that we're using and the terms. And I actually use a modern family as an example, <laughs> not, not too long ago with Jasmine. Um, But anyway, just like consuming this information uh, made me aware that I'm consuming specifically American information, even to reclaim my identity and even to reclaim language. So when I understood that, I was just like suddenly, wait, 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 why am I considering myself a woman of color, right? Like, why am I trying to fall into these categories? And why am I teaching and learning about, social justice with the language of the academia that comes from colonization. And as, as we do that, we're actually accommodating this language and we're perpetuating and promoting something that, that keeps us in those boxes because we're trying to like bring us out of this like oppressed system as women or as Latins or as black or as whatever we are, and we get put in new boxes and we're like, yeah, yeah, we're here. We actually get representation, but it's not quite that because, again, we're in boxes. And then everyone else who's not diverse.
2: Yeah. And guess what? After that, it, there comes a lot of boxers, which is the ageism. You are not a younger anymore. And, and now you are put in, in a new box, you know, and uh, you need to put buttocks So you can't uh, be projected as a younger person. I mean, there is like a marathon, a constant race with no end, Mm -hmm. I, I guess.
1: Yeah, and I think it goes back down to exactly what you said before. It's just like, we're all humans, ultimately. There's something larger than us that has us quite distracted from remembering we're in the human experience. And we have to make this differentiation, if that's even an English word, in order, to, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: in order to maintain this this um what this order, this uh stereotypes, this this uh, hierarchy what's hierarchy
2: hierarchies, yeah.
1: So it's yeah. it's quite interesting uh, that I we remember, have adopted that.
2: Yeah, I remember a piece of Francis Alice. Uh, do you know Francis Alice, which yeah. is a very renowned uh, artist. And uh, he is from Belgium, but he lives uh, mostly here in Mexico. And he has this piece, which is a kind of a, it's not a performing, but it's some like a, a, an action piece, uh, which is um, the name he, he, he wants to put it uh, in, 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 the, in that box. <laughs> so it, it calls Gringo. And uh, Francis Alice, which is like, you know, two meters and uh, red color, and he he enters in a very popular zone in 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 one of the states in Mexico, I guess in Hidalgo. And a lot of dogs are uh, start barking to him and and he put this uh, this um, special um, dresses for training um, police dogs and all this stuff, and he is being attacked with all these um, dogs because he smells different. You know, it's like when you somebody rings your uh, house at, at your house, and and it's the 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 guy from the gas station. And your dog starts to barking. and but 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 I mean it's 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 all these kinds of subtle things that we put the people in, in, in that because when Francis Sal is, is there, he is a foreigner. He is an, a stranger. Yeah, But here in the city, here in Condesa, or in Belgium, it's maybe it's a, an, another guy more. Or here, a, a person with privilege, a person with money, you know? I'm, I'm curious, though, like just to kind of put a spin on the conversation.
3: like Do you think that, based on the fact that we do live in systems that were built to oppress us, uh, and, you know, white supremacy is the norm, whether people want to admit it or not. Um, and the fact that these systems were built literally by colonizers and that to, to keep them at the top and to keep them with the power, to keep them making the decisions that will continue to influence us, re- regardless of if we are a person of color with privilege or not, do, what do you believe or, or I guess maybe the better way to phrase this is, do you believe that we are on the right path towards building a more inclusive world? Do you think that we're on the right path to creating an English language? Like, like we'll, we'll start with English, because I feel like, you know, that, that I, I can't really speak on any other language. But in terms of a le- English language, like, how do we, do you think it is possible that we can actually create Uh, a form of English or a world where uh, this is not the norm and that uh, it's made for a community that does come from such diverse experiences. And I'm, I'm asking this because I'm not necessarily looking for a yes or no answer, but I'm just curious to what you believe could be a possibility or is not a possibility in terms of reclaiming Well, I guess not reclaiming because I mean, I I mean, that also is kind of like an awkward thing to say as well, because it's not our language, Um, you know, so I'm, how do we turn it into a language because it's the universal language that is spoken? Um, How do we, how do, can we transform it into something that is actually going to honor all of those that speak it?
2: Well, but I mean, do you mean uh, like we are uh, trying to develop uh, a new kind of a language like Esperanto or? Because I guess that (laughs) uh, English right now is the lingua franca, as we say, but uh, centuries ago, it was French and in the Russian courts, uh, Kathleen of Russia speak in French with uh, her subjects and, and, and the court and, and everything, but maybe with the decadence of the North American empire, there the next maybe we're going to uh, conceive as a lingua franca, I don't know, is Mandarin or, or, or Chinese or whatever, you know. I don't think that that's the main question. I guess that... We need to, yes, I I, I understand you when you say, so here's the reality, what are we going to do with that? Yes, we live in the global world, uh, trying to make the difference uh, respectful, ethical, and notable, you know? And how do we mix these things between the global, the local, no, there is a term which, which calls glocal, G-L-O-C-A-L. And what I like, because I I, I mean, that's what I live for uh, is I love art, which is, I love the, a universe of different ways to think. I love a different ways of dress. I, I, I hate gentrification in certain ways. I, I hate uh, the... Um, I don't know how do we say even homogeneizar. Homogenic? Yes, to homogenic, to gentrify this world in, in every aspect, you know, because here you you have now the burritos and you, you stop saying a cream, you say crema. So, um, okay, but uh, that's a commodity, that's a kind of merchandise everything why don't we try to start thinking in preserving all this difference because the difference is what makes us richful it was makes us a pos a, a, a lot of possibilities uh, in all the human fields right so that I, I i would love to to uh, Inherit uh, this kind of thinking to to the generations, and well, I'm sometimes I'm I am really pessimistic, and sometimes I optimistic. Uh, but I really think that uh, in the new generations, the, the the young people, I I wasn't that. Uh, when I was uh, 20 years or so, I, I guess yeah, 20 20 years old or so, I guess that right now uh, there's a very more conscious generation, and I'm that that gives me a, a very optimistic way to think in the future, and I really hope that uh, there's. Uh, possible to change all these uh, things that only pressures us against the wall, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I, I love that you said that because I, I also believe that difference is is exactly what makes us rich as species, as right? As, as humankind. And uh, you said it in a very beautiful way, preserving difference. Um, and I think that precise preservation of what is different of different cultures is exactly what a lot of these movements uh, social movements are standing for just like preserving that and preserving the right to actually exist and coexist in this new new world um, and I agree with that, that just like trying to find new languages that include all of it I don't think it's it's a uh, it's actually the way out you see it starts like deleting and blurring these differences altogether I think, if anything, uh, there, there's gotta be a way in which we can actually rehumanize yeah. humans.
2: Yeah, because we live in the middle of contradictions. At the, at, at the same time, we say Arab world, and you know, there's a whole spectrum. And we as Mexicans, we say Asian people, and, 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 and we make the eyes the like this. And it's the same for Africa. And when tourists and and, and people visit Mexico, Indian is just one way to be, one way to exist, which is not. But we we keep trying uh, to categorize this world when when the Arab world is so, it's, it's just one because it doesn't matter as well as Africa and as well as Asia, maybe Japan, okay, no? Maybe South Africa, right. but in, in I was uh, speaking with Tania, which you know, uh, and why why COVID has uh, even even though yeah there's a pandemic a global pandemic, but it starts in Europe. You know, and there there are a lot of pandemics like uh, cholera and uh, a lot of a. Uh, Illness that were eradicated in the 19th century, but we don't care a lot if in Yemen somebody is dying of hunger or diphtheria or typhus, whatever you mean. Why? Why we? Why are we so? It, it was like when the Notre Dame was in in fire. No, but what about all the? background of the antique civilizations that is destroyed in all these uh, wars uh, that are keeping by the uh, North American system, you know?
3: I'm actually so glad that you brought that up because I was just thinking the other day, I'm like, how did we, like the whole world came together to make a vaccine happen as quick as possible, but... You know, millions of people die every year from HIV AIDS and malaria. And, uh, you know, like, I don't remember anyone acting this quick with Ebola or Zika virus that killed thousands and thousands of people. Yet coronavirus, uh, which, I mean, I, I, I don't know the statistics anymore, but I feel like a, like, you know, a few months ago, it was still very much on par with like, you know, it's a flu and people die from the flu. And there was like very similar statistics around like, the spread and anyways but i'm i'm not a corona expert and i don't want to get into that conversation on this podcast but you know it's it's we're constantly adhering to the needs of the most privileged people in our society and it's evident in every every part of the system from medicine to language i mean canada just voted against uh, you know, the new healthcare scheme that they had rolled out to provide people access to to the medicine, that, like to, to pharmaceuticals and medicines that they are in need of. And like the liberals voted against it. And it's like for, to be one of the most diverse countries in the world, how can you take away one of the most basic human rights and make it and not only take it away, but like it was you're, you're, it was already in, not accessible and you've just made it just you've just made it like obsolete for people to access what they need to survive. And it's just, our systems are so inherently racist and, and so based on dividing us. And I mean, um, you know, I get, sorry, I get very passionate about these conversations and sometimes I get derailed. So just hang in there for a second, but uh, you know, especially living in India, like I, I've, I've never seen such, such, such obvious, but also people being so oblivious to division, um, you know, like colorism is embedded in the Hindi language. Like it is a joke and an insult to call someone like Kala, like to call them black. Like, you know, there, there's so many proverbs and and these, these old kind of like one-liners that are, are all about kind of like that, you know, may may that may the person with like black a black face like, you know, suffer or like, you know, get this as a result. and it's and and the thing is, is like that's also embedded from colonization. you know, like that idea that we and, and you know, Yvonne, I'm sure you can relate to that, too, just the experiences of being lighter skin in India, even though, like you know you might identify as like well i'm a brown woman as well you know and like like let's talk about that instead of telling me that like i'm white skin and i'm from a more privileged country and um so it's it's just so clear to me that this continuously it, it's like this vicious cycle where when we're trying to address one thing there's it's like not only are we stuck in a loop but there's just like it's like we're at the, actually a better analogy is like we're at the tip of the iceberg we're finally starting to address all of these issues, but that, that iceberg is millions of years old and the roots of it are just, you know, millions of meters deep. And, you know, I, and I I think, I think what you, like that quote you just said, we live in the middle of contradictions, is just so powerful because I, I feel like even when we're just trying to, even if the most unwoke, unaware individual has, you know, has finally, you know, something's clicked inside of them, they're still going to be bouncing around like a ping pong, like between all of the other things in society that are um, not allowing them to go to the root of, of the issue, not allowing them to address it from a critical eye because just alone, just look at, just look at the media that we consume. That alone will just make you you, you, you just get sucked back in and you forget what you're working towards and how you can make a difference, especially as someone of privilege. And I just find that, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm really, I'm just really resonating what you're, with what you're saying here, because I just think that in, at the end of the day, we, we, there, there is, I think there's more of an awareness than ever with our generation. I feel like the millennial gen, I don't know, gen Z, gen X, I don't (laughs) even know what they're called, but you know, there, there's so much more awareness and, um, And and this is why I've always actually believed that youth will save the world because they're like, we have to start with these like fresh spongy minds that are able to absorb all of this, even though it's so complex and it's not fair to put it on them to be like, Hey, you got to go fix everything that got messed up. Um, But that's where we have to kind of put our trust and put our, 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 our time and our energy because it, we're at this point where the only way to start breaking down these systems, the only way to create more inclusive societies, and to and to provide, you know, I, I keep saying people of color in quotations, like I really want to stop using that term, mm-hmm. um, but I like you know, but it's like that's the only universal way for me to define colored people and people to actually listen and be like, okay. Yeah, I know what she's referring to. Um, so I just feel like we have to put our energy into these younger generations to really rise up and and support. Um, this change and this evolution so that we can get to a point where we can start to break down these systems. Um, So, yeah, sorry, that was my TED talk. Uh, Thank you for listening. (laughs) Yes,
2: totally uh,
3: agree. Yeah,
0: Yeah,
2: I'm totally agree.
3: I'm curious, you know, as I know we've been talking for a while now and I want to respect your time. um, You know, I'm, as someone who is not part of the Latina culture or the community and is and hasn't actually had I haven't been able to spend as much time in um in in uh like in Latin America as much as I'd like to. Um, I know Yvonne's looking at me like, how dare you? But you know, I'm curious, is there, you know, when we think about terminology in Spanish or I mean even Portuguese, like what what does that look like? I'm so like for example, if in India, I'm seeing that like there's very much this underlying you know concept of you know, having black skin is like this this joke that people you know use. And you know they it's it's a very much a, a divide between like North India and South India, um, you know, based on the fact that South Indians are stereotypically darker and North Indians are stereotypically lighter and in the black community there's also this divide between like light-skinned black people and dark-skinned and this idea that even still like you know this you know the, there's there was there's been so many jokes about light-skinned uh like there, there's like light-skin society there's like you know ske- there's like comedy sketches on it and you know as someone as light-skinned i remember i've had so many experiences where people have pushed aside my experience based on the fact that like, well, you're not dark enough to understand what I'm referring to. Um, and I'm curious if there's something at all similar in Latin America and how that might be perpetuated within communities.
2: Well, uh, well I, I, I guess that uh, Yvonne has uh, uh, her own experience to share, but uh, is just the same. I mean, Latin America, it, there's a whole of countries there, you know? And when you say Latin America, you say Argentina and you say El Salvador and you say uh, Brazil and you say Guayana, uh, Francesa, I don't know. So, uh, because we are diverse because, uh, and, and maybe, uh, well, I came from Chile and my experience, in uh, Chile, uh, Argentina, and Uruguay is that uh, when, colonial, when colonialism, the Spanish uh, people went there in order to seek for gold and all this stuff, uh, they killed all the civilizations because they, they, they thought they were like a, some kind of barbarian people. No, maybe, here in Mesoamerica, in Mexico, or in the Inca world, there was like, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe a little more, maybe not so barbarian, you know? But you have these things uh, in Chile, Argentina, and Uruguay, which are uh, a lot of migration after that um, Italian people, Jewish people or maybe even from Palestine, even from uh, 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 East Europe. So you really don't have uh, an an average or an amount of population uh, indigenous like we have here in Mexico. Uh, But after that, you go to Cuba, which I guess when I was in Cuba, Nobody cares if you are blonde, Chinese, black. I mean, I, th- this was a long time ago. I, I, I would love to go again. but So uh, it was the 40th anniversary of the revolution. I mean, like uh, in, at the end of the 90s. But, uh, and if you go to Peru or if you go to Mexico or if you go to Salvador or if you go to Guatemala or if you go to Colombia, oh, What's your second name to apellido? Oh, so you're coming from these kind of families, you know? Yeah, and well, my recent experience—I I went to São Paulo to a seminar. But I mean, when you are in a seminar, you go into a kind of bubble, no? Like, a, yeah, we're uh, going to visit these persons and these people and these museums, but. It again is the contradiction. You have this Plaza day, which is huge, uh, in which you have prostitutes uh, working uh, 24-7 and a lot, you know. And at the same time, I uh, meet so wonderful people making uh, universities in the fields, in the university of the land, Universidad de la Tierra, and the Ocupas movement, which are all these persons who uh, kidnap um, a building which is a ruin or no. And, and, and they have their own, uh, uh, like, like the anarchy in the 19th century, which is not, not, not absolutely nothing to do with chaos. But I mean, they have their own rules. They have their own protection, their own security. So it's very difficult to say in, America, in Latin America, there is this way. I guess that, yeah, it's the world. In the world we live in, there are a lot of very complex uh, situations. Right now in Central America, in Central America it's, it's devastating. It's terrible. And, and, and we have a lot of uh, um, human rights crisis uh, in LGBT people in women people in uh, indigenous people in people who need to be to 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 move from the, their country because they don't have to eat they don't have a job and 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 after COVID, they can go they can't go by to their uh, origins so yeah it, it, it's not it, it's not a one way answer you know there's there's very it's very complicated to to explain that because yeah it's like as I said Arab world African world but I mean maybe Yvonne could uh, add some of her experience in Latin America because she was working with a lot of uh, these
1: organizations in Peru and Colombia and I don't know. Yeah, uh, I think that's that's what you just said is perfect. It's it's I mean, ultimately, it's what, 33 countries, I think, in Latin America. So it is very uh, difficult to actually just put it in a box, too, which is also one of these complexities of language. Being Latin American is just like, <laughs> even <laughs> just like Mexican. Yeah, but from where, <laughs> you know, like it it is quite different. Uh, even from the same city. Uh, but yeah, I think what you're saying is, is just that. And, but ultimately, I think what I want to say is that regardless of where you're from or where you come from, I think the intersections are just going to change based on where you're at. And thinking about working with communities in, in Peru, right? It was Peruvians um, defending indigenous Peruvian people from white people, right? So the intersections there were quite interesting to me because I was just like, all right, so, so in here we're actually trying to, to fight the colonizers, the new age colonizers, which would be in this case, uh, the Canadian um, miners uh, versus the less privileged Peruvian people, but they weren't quite defending them against the Canadians, it was against the government. So it was this layer of oppression within the same society. Uh, so it was just Peruvians versus Peruvians, but it wasn't Peruvians, it was Quechua. So there was a layer of indigenous people right there. Uh, take it back to Mexico City, right? If I come from certain area, then I'm treated in a way, but say I'm from Satellite, so that I have certain status. But if I go to Polanco, then I feel like immediately shit, right? Because or Villacuapa. Exactly, so you have like really not, you play your cards differently regardless of where you're at and I think it's what I'm what I'm connecting here is that it doesn't really matter where in the world you're at because Jasmine what you were just saying with colorism in in India or even just being here right now in Canada just like seeing how people get treated differently with last names and going through immigration and just like you know being being um, greeted by a uh, potentially Asian descendant officer but he has the Canadian status versus a a uh, white Mexican, and then you start seeing all of these games. So ultimately I think we are just playing this game of power and oppression, and it doesn't really matter which game it is. It is, I mean, which, which pieces you're moving. It is just like the same game in which we are trying to imitate this larger system. So the closest we are to this bar that yes. was set by in this case, uh the white power, which is the 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 ruling game right now. Earlier, it was the Greeks. Earlier, it was the Romans, or whatever the timeline is. Uh, but right now, I think it depends how close you are to this standard, and the closest you are, depending where you're at, is is how you get treated and how those those experiences may or may not happen. Yeah.
2: So there. Yeah, I I I I was uh, remembering this wonderful novel uh, from Alejo Carpentier a Cuban writer el reino de este mundo which can be translated uh, like uh, the kingdom of this world and is uh, see is in uh, during the independence of the french colonizers and uh, they uh, how, how do you say, I, I, I lost the world, Yvonne They poisoned the, these people and make voodoo in IT and, and everything. Uh, but it was interesting because after the French colonial persons went to their homes again, who was the one in charge of the government? It was a creole. It was the criollos. It was this mix of colorism that was clearer than the average. You know, and 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 I guess it's just an example of how colonialism uh, works uh, during all these centuries with the rest of the world. I mean, Obama. I was like Obama and uh, 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 black people and and all these rhetoric with like but here obama was like a mulatto it's no and, and and why he keep insisting on being a black people i mean he's 50 50. Uh, her mother was a white a white woman yes but, but 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 i mean for politic purposes in the united states we may consider uh obama uh no uh, Mary michelle obama like oh yeah he, he's he's a black man you know i'm not so sure about it
1: yeah and it's also how you play your cards right exactly when it's you use those labels which is this like this juice of this conversation when are we and what are we using those labels for uh when it's convenient for what so i think it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's a great point
3: I think this also relates a lot to code switching because, you know, there are um, like I've struggled my whole life with trying to figure out, like, do I identify as white? Do I identify as black? When do I identify as white? When do I identify as black? So I can also relate to it. But I think, you know, when it comes to something like Obama, I think it was just so exciting to see representation in the White House. Um, although I, I do think that there's still problematic issues like there's still there was still. His presidency still had like, you know, underlying problematic issues that like, you know, were things that, that you know, we don't need to get into in this episode, yeah. but you know, I think it's, again, we get so excited about representation. Sometimes it also, sometimes it also takes away what we should really be focusing on. Like p- more people were, were deported, like more immigrants were deported, uh, migrants were deported during yeah. his presidency yeah. than any other presidency in the US. Exactly. But because we got to see a a colored face in front of us, it was almost like no one was acknowledging that. No one wanted to think about, well, okay, well, like we'll let it slide because, you know, we're finally, we finally have a black president. And I've seen this in so many cases. And I think, and actually, we literally just did an episode recently on decolonizing and reclaiming storytelling. And this idea that, like, you know, Inclusion doesn't, you know, doesn't equal, uh, you know, representation. Like just because you included us, just because you know our voice was heard or you put our face on a poster, doesn't mean that our value and our worth and our knowledge and 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 the and the opportunity to actually create a diverse space or a landscape or whatever we're working towards was actually implemented into that into whatever that practice was or whatever we were being included in. And you know, I think you actually bringing up Obama is a great,
1: a great, um, a it great example. Cool. And also
3: yeah. because there's, there's still very many people I know that do not realize that he was biracial. A lot of people do not know that. Um, so it's it's interesting to to dive into that topic, and and also relating to it personally, um, because I'm also sure that there are and and you know, I, I think we you guys touched on this a little bit as well. And also, sorry, there was actually something I wanted to mention because you were talking about, um, you know, gendered language. And I actually and I, I wrote a note that, you know, in English, it's, you know, we are our, our default is always masculine as well. You know, like I just said, hey, guys, you guys. Um, yeah. It's not like, hey, friends, like, I, I, you know, there's not like a neutral term like guys is just a masculine neutral term for any group of people, even if it's all women. Um, but anyways, I digress. And I'm sure that there's been situations, and you know whether it's been, you know in in whatever role that you've taken on. So whether it's your role as a mom, whether it's your role as a teacher, as a writer, where there has been times where you um maybe have felt this like imbalance in the how you present and your identity, your cultural identity. Um, so, you know, like presenting as this very, uh, you know, a light-skinned woman, but having, again, this, this history and these roots that are not going to be relatable to the mainstream white folk. And and that being an instant disconnect in conversation because, you know, there isn't the balance, there isn't the understanding and respect coming from their angles
2: often as well. Um, so, yeah, just a, a quick note <laughs> to wind us down. Yeah yeah it's very I'll, I'll interesting uh, and peculiar uh, what you said yeah
1: and i'll, I'll add this quote uh, that i listened to the other day on this um conference i guess it was and it, she said uh diversity is useless without inclusion inclusion means you have power inclusion is useless if there is anti-racism
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> right yeah yeah again the contradictions (laughs) exactly yeah
1: all right i think uh well i'll wrap us up there uh because i I think this is is a conversation that conversation conversation that, (laughs) (laughs) that could go on forever and we could just like spiral up and down uh but i think it's super interesting just to hear this different and challenging perspective on how Maybe the answer is not even in changing language or adapting language. Maybe the answer is actually way, way, way far and way, way deeper into yeah. how we relate to one another um, as humans, like as basic as our human to human interaction. Um,
2: yeah. Yeah, I guess.
1: Well, there's a lot of
2: uh, questions in the air, so. Yeah. You don't yeah. Have to we, we, you need, we need to think a lot in, in all these topics. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah, but I think amazing.
3: it starts by not only being open and aware to having these conversations, but also to be critical of these conversations. Because um, again, this this conversation uh, wouldn't be happening the way it is if it wasn't for you and for your <laughs> your critical mind, your critical awareness. So thank you so much for bringing that to us and uh, allowing us to share your story, your experiences, your knowledge with our community. We would. We're very very grateful.
2: Now, thank you, Jasmine. Thank you, Ivan, for inviting me. I I feel very honored and very humbled to share my own point of my own point of view, which is just 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 one. But thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah
1: a pleasure to have you and hopefully we'll do an episode two uh yes, <laughs> soon. and hopefully we'll have the spanish version too right jess
3: yes we're working on <laughs> it jasmine's working on her spanish otherwise yvonne will be leading all of those episodes <laughs> <laughs> awesome. all right thank you okay.
1: everyone and yeah thank, thank, you, thank you so much uh, maria we'll we'll be giving your your uh, podcast um a link also so that you guys can go ahead and Or you people can go ahead and and listen to (laughs) her incredible work as well. And yeah, I guess that's a wrap.
0: Thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. Inhale the goodness. Exhale the bullshit. Thank you for listening. And thank you for doing the work with us. If you're still feeling a little heavy after listening to today's episode, join us on the Conscious Badasses Facebook group. That is your safe, inclusive, healing space to connect with the community that gets it. Together, we dive deeper into each topic with reflection questions. There's additional resources there available for you. And overall, it's just an incredible space for you to let it all out, especially if you feel like you don't have the right community during this time. To access the group, just hit us up at facebook.com groups slash conscious badasses. And of course, you can always find the link right in the show notes. Now, don't forget to breathe, eat your veggies, and if it feels just a little too heavy, take an intentional pause. What can you do to feel a little lighter, a little brighter? You got this.